Welcome to Winterfell and I Can't Get Up, the podcast that asks mom what she thinks about Game of Thrones. This is season one, episode number five, and it has been 90 pages since the last death. I'm Candace Huber, the owner of Tubby and Coo's Mid-City Bookshop in New Orleans, and I've asked my mom, Gail, who has absolutely no knowledge of Game of Thrones, to read the series and record her reactions for all of you. Read along, listen along, and follow my mom's journey through A Song of Ice and Fire chapter by chapter as she discovers for the first time just how brutal it can be, although it hasn't been brutal for the past 90 pages. When you read Game of Thrones with your mom, you win or you die laughing. In this episode, we cover Tyrion 2, Catelyn 3, and Sansa 1 in A Game of Thrones. And now Mom's Watch begins. So it has been... 90 pages since the last death, Mom. Does that make you nervous? <laughs> yes, because I feel like there will be several whenever, come, you know. <laughs> the hammer's going to come yeah, down. And that's it. then there's going to be, oh, my God, how many people are going to die? You know, it's, it's like, is it going to be a war? You know, <laughs> like, is everybody, can, not everybody can die because, you know, then there would be no story. But That's true. But no, I am afraid of who and, you know, how many are going to die. So. Yep. So we'll see. So let's start with Tyrion 2. So in this chapter, Tyrion is on his way to the Wall with Benjen and Jon and a group of new men who are all joining the Night's Watch. And it's a small group. There's only eight of them. But then they join up with a current member of the Watch that they meet at some inn on the road named Yorin, and he's heading back with two new members of his own. And that makes their party, quote, Five men, three boys, a dire wolf, 20 horses, and a cage of ravens. <laughs> Which I walk into an inn, and then, you know, like, it's like the beginning of a joke, right? Exactly. You know? It's like a circus going down the road. <laughs> Tyrion notices that John is sort of second-guessing his decision. This is from Tyrion's point of view. And he's like, mm, I think that kid is, like, second-guessing. And he sort of feels bad because he ruminates that John probably thought the watch was, like, this noble thing and made up of men like his uncle Benjen and he's kind of getting a rude awakening because life in the Night's Watch is hard it was basically chosen for John and all these people are like rapists and thieves and (laughs) yes and that's exactly what I was gonna say so this Yorin character looks like he's seen better days oh yeah like the way that he he smells bad (laughs) smells bad he's like scraggly looking his beard is full of ice because of course now it's starting to snow and stuff you know winter is coming so Tyrion even says how he's glad he's got the blanket that he actually took from Ben, <laughs> which I thought that was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he's looking at John, poor John, and you know, John is thinking everybody's like Ben on the wall, and then he's realizing these are all the criminals basically that they put on the wall. It's all the outcasts, let's say. Yep. You know, and John once again is just feeling to Tyrion, he looks like he's just feeling like he's an outcast again. Yeah. You know, and so he does. He feels kind of bad for the kid. And I do too. And I don't like that Ben doesn't like Tyrion just because he's a Lannister. That's the other thing that comes up. You mm-hmm. know, that's where the whole blanket thing came in, right? Yeah. Because he offered, Ben offered Tyrion the blanket 
and thinking Tyrion, that Tyrion yeah, wasn't going to take Tyrion, it. And that's what he's saying. Tyrion's like, oh yeah, and he thought I wasn't going to take it. But what he doesn't understand is that the Lannisters take whatever's offered to them. Yep. And I think that that was sort of important, you know, that they take whatever's offered to them. I think they take whatever's not offered as well, some of them. <laughs> yep. And so when he took it, he's like, mm, I bet Ben's a little uh, sorry he offered me that blanket right now because I'm surely toasty warm and yep. he's over there freezing his nuts off. Exactly. That was kind of funny. And Benjen has been doing whatever he can to kind of make it rough on Tyrion because he's not a fan of the Lannisters. And Benjen is riding really hard and really fast and it's really hard on Tyrion. His legs are like all chapped and sore and, you know, he's kind of having a rough time. But Tyrion won't give Benjen the, like, satisfaction of hearing him complain. So he kind of just soldiers on even though it's Right, sucks it up and moves on. Yeah. Yeah. And doesn't complain and, and will not No, he's like, I'm not giving them the satisfaction. And so he's gotten used to kind of going off by himself because these men don't really like him that much. And so he goes off by himself and has some wine and reads. And this is just kind of what he does. And we find out that he's borrowed some books from Winterfell's library. And he's been reading about dragons. And he has this like morbid fascination with dragons. And he talks about how when he went to King's Landing for his sister's wedding, when she got married to Robert, he made it a point to like sneak down to the cellar where the old dragon skulls were. And he just wanted to see them. That was like the first thing he did. And to his surprise, he did not find them terrifying, but he found them beautiful. And there's 19 skulls, dragon skulls down there, all different shapes and sizes. And he describes them and he says that the oldest one is like 3,000 years old. And the youngest one is only like 150 or something. And he like stays down there for a really long time just staring at these skulls. And there are three really, really big ones from the original dragons that Aegon the Conqueror used to conquer the Seven Kingdoms originally. And their names were Balerion, Marax and Fagar. But he also makes it a point to say that they were in the castle, yeah. inside of the castle, like, I don't know. I like hanging on like, the wall. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like the, like a deer head on the wall, but they would have a dragon head. And that Robert took them all down to put up like his frou-frou business. It was what he says. Tapestries. Instead of having these awesome dragon heads, you know, to show what a beast you are, right? He has like, now he put up like, yeah, these frou-frou things. And he doesn't understand how could he throw this like away, basically. He just threw them all underneath there you know yeah and he is fascinated by that there's a whole paragraph about the dragon bone when yeah. how important the dragon bone is how it's really hard but it's really you know stirred like it's it can be really thin but it's so hard and it's sturdy and fire resistant know, fire resistant and all of this and that it makes the best weapons yeah. right i thought it was important because he specifically says that the Dothraki are particularly fond, fond <laughs> thank you, of this dragon bone and making arrows because they can go so much faster. You know, they're swifter, they can fly faster, and, and they, they kill you easily. Yeah. You know? And so I thought that was important that he said that. Yeah, that's in one of the books that he reads. There's like a little paragraph about the dragon bone and yeah. how it makes good weapons and stuff. And then again, they go through and they keep saying how 
but there's no more dragons, like you say, and the, the youngest one is like a hundred and something years old, and there's no more dragons, no more dragons. But then I, it kind of brought back to mind that Danny received three dragon eggs for her wedding gift. Yep. I'm waiting for those babies to hatch. <laughs> you know, like I know that's, I mean, just like they had the three big ones for the Targaryens that came. And that was the first time three of them had, you know, they oh, go yeah. through that whole big description. Yes, we get a history lesson there that I wanted to bring up. And they talk about how 300 years ago, Tyrion's ancestor, King Lauren of the Rock, joined with King Myrn of the Reach to stand against the Targaryens when the Targaryens were first coming to conquer the Seven Kingdoms. And these two kings had 600 banners, so like 600 houses had joined them, 5,000 mounted knights, and ten times as many free riders and men-at-arms, Aegon Dragonlord, who is the Targaryen's ancestor, had like a fifth of that. And most of those were just leftovers from the king before, so their loyalties were uncertain and everything. And when the two groups met in battle, the Targaryen army was like, oh shit, they have so many people, I don't know, they turned tail and ran, they got scared. And everyone thought the conquest was over, because it was like, well, that whole army ran, we have a bajillion people, so we win. And then Aegon and his sisters join the battle and come in flying on their huge dragons, and burn everything basically and it's the only time like you said that these three dragons were unleashed all at the same time and nearly four thousand men burned including king myrn of the reach or whatever Mm -hmm. and then king lauren who was Tyrion's ancestor obviously escaped and lived long enough to surrender and pledge fealty to the targaryens and everything and then beget a son and then Tyrion's like which I am unduly grateful for because (laughs) I would not exist otherwise but yeah that's a little bit of a history lesson that Tyrion's ancestors went up against the Targaryens and lost pretty badly right when the dragons came and burned everything was like we don't need an army we got dragons (laughs) take this bitches (laughs) so I thought that was interesting too you know and then of course like I said Danny received three dragon eggs right so the and you don't talk this much about something and then have nothing ever happen you know it's like this whole chapter is about dragons basically and how obsessed Tyrion is with them and dragons 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 right but none exists so and it's like uh we know it's coming we know it's coming (laughs) winter is coming and we know what may be unleashed right (laughs) and then Jon Snow interrupts Tyrion and asks why he reads so much and after this diatribe that Tyrion gives him about being a dwarf and really his mind is his weapon because he'll never be a swordsman because he's so small and he can't really wield weapons and he's not great at riding horses and whatever so his mind is his weapon And he says one of my favorite quotes of all time when this happens, which is a mind needs books like a sword needs a whetstone if it is to keep its edge. That's why I read so much Jon Snow. And I'm like, yes! <laughs> Tyrion! Yeah, that was an awesome quote. I have that had that in my head as well. You know, that that was, that, that was awesome. And I also love the advice that he gave to make your contribution to the world as best as you can. Whatever your set of skills is, whatever your talents are. Like his is his mind. Yeah. You know, he's little and he, he's not a swordsman. He's not this, he's not that. But he can still still contribute and i i think john snow sometimes he's a little slow on the uptake sometimes i guess 
has, you know, and so he doesn't, he's still trying to learn. Of course, he's 14, right? right? Anyway, so I think it's great that Tyrion seems to kind of take this boy under, this is the second time, right? Yeah. In the first Tyrion chapter, he kind of took him under his wing a little. Yeah. I think it was Tyrion. That chapter. was a John chapter. Jo- when okay, he, a John yeah. chapter. He kind of takes this kid under his wing and says, hey, let me give you a little advice here, buddy. And here's this, this is the second time that we really see him doing that. Yeah. You know, he takes John and says, look, you have things to contribute. Don't let people tell you just because you're a bastard, you don't have anything to contribute. And I think that was really good. And I loved how he said he keeps the edge, his mind sharp, because that's his weapon. You got to keep it sharp. And he also talks about how he used to dream of having his own dragon when he was a kid, because even if you're small, you can look down over the world when you're seated on a dragon's back. And also about how, this is is my favorite part, how he used to look into set fires and then dream about burning his dad and his sister. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I used to stare into the fire and dream about setting my dad and my sister on fire. And then he sort of pushes John. He tells him, oh, I know that you think the same stuff. Off and John is like, I don't know what you mean. And then Tyrion pushes and pushes. And then he's like, I mean, you see all these people here, right? Like, you're being sent to the Night's Watch because, like, you're unwanted. These are all the unwanted misfits. Right. And then John is just like, stop it, stop it, stop it. You know, like, I don't want to hear any of this. And he sort of freaks out. And Tyrion's like, uh, and then Ghost comes and just like knocks Tyrion down. And Tyrion is like, oh shit. <laughs> I will. He already is sort of scared of the yeah. dire wolf, right? Yeah. And then and John is basically like, ask me for help. <laughs> and then Tyrion is like, will you help me? <laughs> Tyrion is thinks like, to himself, I'm, I have been humiliated worse than this before. Yes. I will be humiliated worse than this again. So let me once again have to ask for help. Mm-hmm. You know? So he asks him for help, sure. And then, um, and then he gets a little miffed about being humiliated, but he's like, well, I guess I probably deserved it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then he kind of is remorseful, right? He's remorseful. I shouldn't have done that to that kid. Yeah. You know, I feel bad. And so you see that he sort of has a conscience. He does. Know? Whereas I don't think his siblings do. I decided, especially at the end of this, I had liked him before, but I really, I think he's a good guy. I think yeah. he's a good character. So, And John like does realize, like, even after all that, John is like, you're right about the Night's Watch, aren't you? And that's kind of how it ends. Like, they go back to the camp, and then John's just kind of, like, staring into the fire, like, probably pondering that, like, he's unwanted and a misfit and whatever. And then oh, Tyrion and wants to know, where have y'all been? Yeah. He's like, oh, with the Grunkins or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, they talk hey, about the different the different yeah. monsters, because yeah. he's like, oh, they, they send the Night's Watch people out to fight the Grumpkins and the Snorks or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, you know, that doesn't exist, right? You're just gonna sit on a wall and freeze. Like, that's right. what you do, because they send all the unwanted people out there because they just sit on a wall and freeze. They don't actually do anything. And so they kind of make the joke when they get back. And then when Ghost knocks Tyrion down, John makes a joke. Maybe he thought you were a grumpkin or whatever. Yeah, that's what it was. I thought that was funny, you know. And I think that kind of gives them a little camaraderie now, right? Yeah. They kind of realize, okay, we are on the same side. We, you know. Yeah, we cool, I guess. Yeah, you know. And so, again, no one died in this chapter. So we're up to 100 pages with no deaths. A milestone. (laughs) It's like, yay, but oh no. (laughs) I'm interested in like the longest stretch of pages with no deaths. And so that's Uh, why I'm now keeping track of this because I'm like, 100 pages with no deaths. Gotta be one coming soon, Game of Thrones. (laughs) So let's move on to Catelyn 3. So (laughs) in this chapter, Catelyn 
has fallen into a deep depression and despair. She's acting like an asshole and a fool. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I the, at the beginning, I, I don't even know what to say. You hear me? Like, <laughs> I, 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 because I feel like, oh my God, I don't like you. Like, she is the worst you right now. are being such a meanie. Yeah. You know, you're, you're being yeah. hateful to everybody around you. I get you haven't slept. You haven't probably haven't eaten very much. You know, she's been distraught, right? By Brand's side the whole time. I get that. That does not give you the right to be so ugly and hateful. No, and like time. she's forgotten and about, like, you know, she didn't even tell her daughters goodbye when they left. She hasn't she been taking care of Rick on. She hasn't been doing anything. Nothing. Nothing. You know, it's like you and suck as a person. Yes, yes. And then poor little Rob comes. Well, in. Maester Lewin comes in and says, like, there's business of Winterfell that has to be taken care of. Right. Can we talk about this? And Catelyn is like, no, I can't deal with this right now. I don't care about any of this. <laughs> and then Rob comes in and is like, again, he's 14. Right. And he's like, I'll take care of this. Show it to me. You know, he kind of takes responsibility. He dismisses the maester. And then he's like, what the fuck, mom? Like, <laughs> what are you even doing? Right. Like, I think that's what he says is like, what yeah. are you doing? Right. Like, I don't understand what's going on. Well, because poor Rob is overwhelmed himself, right? He, like you said, he's got little Rick on. He's trying to take care of that kid. He's yep. trying to like run everything. His dad put him in charge. So he's yep. feeling the pressure of that. And now it's like the least you can do, mom, is be a mom. For right. A minute, right. And you can't even be a mom right now. And I need you to just be a mom. I need you to help me out. I, I yeah. can't do everything by myself. And you know, you, you got to take care of her. You have other children. Right. Brian is not your only kid. You have other kids. You have other responsibilities. Let's go. You and know? she's still like, well, I can't leave the room because like any minute could be his last minute. And what if he dies in here and I can't leave him ever. And like Bran is even before now, but especially now, obviously her favorite because she even says something about like Bran is my sweetest, best child or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, woman, get your shit together. I get that this is your kid and that you're devastated, but oh my God, like there's other shit that you got to do. And that's basically what Rob says mm-hmm. as well. And then the dire will start howling and she can't handle that. And Rob he is like opens the, the window, window and, and he's like, like oh, oh shit, shit the library tires on the library tower is on fire. <laughs> fire, fire. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and he and runs out because he's like, uh, you stay here. I'm gonna go find out what's this, going on. It all happens so fast. Yeah, it's like real everything quick. that happens happens so fast. And it's only like within a like a page, maybe. Well, a couple okay. paragraphs. Yeah, yeah, you know, like I was gonna say, if it's even a page, you know, maybe a half a page, it all happens all at one time, this next part. Yeah. And I was just like, oh no, because you go from, oh shit, there's a fire. Oh no, hurry up. Because they're going to have to get Bran out. Like how, and then they, they kind of ease your mind on that and that it's in a separate area. So, yeah, because Catelyn's like, oh, thank oh, God. God so Rob you know, kind of looks at her like she's nuts because he's like, oh my God, there's a fire. And then she's like, oh, thank God it's over there. It's not going to come to us. And Rob is like, are you kidding uh, me? Yeah, like, like it's still a fire. Still a fire. And so he runs out. And then the next thing you know there's some creepy dude in the room with them yep and he's like you're not supposed to be here you're not supposed to be here and she's like 
like, what the hell are you doing in here? Who are you? Like, what are you? And then there's that whole big fight with them. Yeah. You know? Which honestly is like pretty badass, if you ask me, because yeah. that creepy dude shows up. She, she kind of like, she closes the window to like get like the dire wolves to stop howling or whatever. She closes the window. She turns around and there's that creepy dude behind her. And then she's like, what the hell? And he's got a dagger in his hand. And then Catelyn's like, oh, hell no. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, it would be a mercy. He's dead already. That kid's dead already. Oh, and she's yeah, like, yeah. oh, hell no. <laughs> and she what? goes to like scream. And then he puts his hand over her mouth. And then it's like, it's real quick. But she is pretty badass because she, like, bites him. She gets out of it. She's like, F you. You know, like, you're not going to hurt my kid. And she, like, tussles out of it. And then she screams. Right. And And then, dun, 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 takes that dude out, grabs him by the throat, rips his throat out. He's dead on the floor. Catelyn's like, oh my God, what's going on? And here it is again. I have been saying all along, why in the hell did they not let that dire wolf come in there with that boy in that bed from the beginning? Yep. You know, like, why was he not ever allowed in there? So, and then Catelyn wolf to the rescue. It really did. And then (laughs) Catelyn just like looks at it and then she says, thank you. And she goes to reach out to pet it and it like licks her and it licks all the blood off of her hand. Right. And then she just starts and then it jumps onto to the bed with yeah, Bran, right. and then she just starts hysterically laughing because she's like, I, I mean, I guess at this point, like, what else are you gonna yeah, do, yeah, right? Gonna so do. she's hysterically laughing, and then that's when Rob and Sir Roderick and Maester Lewin and like all these people come right. like bursting into the room, and this is how they find him. There's this dead dude on the floor. The direwolf's all bloody in the bed with Bran. Catelyn is kind of just standing there hysterically laughing, right. and they're like, "What yeah. just happened? Like, what is going on?" And so they just sort of like usher her off and they get her back to her own chamber. She gets a bath. She gets her wounds dressed. She's finally able to sleep because in my opinion, she knows that dire wolf now is going to protect brands. So right. she's like, so okay, she's, I'm going to go to sleep. Right. And when she wakes up, they're like, uh, you've been sleeping for, for four, four days. <laughs> and she's like, well, and I'm like, I guess you are sleeping for four days, woman. And she feels a lot better. And now she's very ashamed of how she's been acting because she's like, Oh, I've been acting like an asshole. And she kind of knows it. And then they all come in. Well, Rob, it's Rob Theon, Sir Roderick, and this new guy, Hallis Mullen, who is the new captain of the guard at Winterfell. Which, which is like, long chicka wow right? <laughs> like, he is like, supposed to be like, one hot dude. Yeah, they, yeah, he's supposed yeah. to be very good looking. Mm-hmm. And they come and pay Catelyn a visit and tell her, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> that was just really funny. <laughs> I mean, I, I read about him and I was like, ooh, hubba. You know? Like, your boy's a pretty good looking dude, you know? And then, you know what else it brought to mind when I was reading the Canterbury Tales when I was 17 years old, senior in high school, we read the Canterbury Tales. And one of the things in the Canterbury Tales that we were told as seniors in high school was that one of the funny things when Chaucer was writing it was he always described a man's beard how maybe long it was or how wide it was or how skinny and frail it looked or whatever. Yeah. And that that was a simile, a metaphor, I don't even know what it is, for his penis. (laughs) (laughs) 
say that? Yeah. Yeah. His other appendage. You know, oh my goodness, that's hilarious. And so, did they describe his so, beard? So they describe his beard as being very wide and thick. And, you know, all of this, and so when I'm reading oh that, I'm being brought back to when I was 17 years old, going, "Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, buddy." You know, he is oh like, my goodness. A, like I said. <laughs> so that's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> Everyone, my mom. This is why you listen. This is why you listen. <laughs> so I'm wondering, you know, is Caitlin, Caitlin, Catlin, is she gonna be like having a little something, something on the side? You know, I'm like, oh, Catlin. Who knows? Like, maybe. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yes, yeah, so that's fine. <laughs> so these people rush into the room, and this bouncer bow wow dude is the new captain of the guard at Winterfell, and they tell. Catelyn that no one really knows who this guy is. Like, they have this dead body, but no one recognizes him. And some folks have, like, seen him around Winterfell the past few weeks, but nobody really knows who he is. They assume he was one of the King's men or one of the Lannister's men, but there have been so many strangers around that there's no way to tell really who he belonged to. And Catelyn asks, well, like, how could he go unnoticed around here? Like, if nobody knows who he is, it seems like somebody would have been like, who is this guy, right? But Malin says it was just easy for him to hide in the stables because basically all the horses were gone because they either went with Ned or with Benjen. And so there really wasn't any need to really be in the stables. And like Hodor, the stable boy, doesn't really say anything. So like there was really no way for anybody to know. And then Rob says that they found where the man had been sleeping in the stables and that he had all this money in a bag buried in the straw in the stables. And Catelyn is like, oh, well, I'm glad my son's life wasn't sold cheaply because it was like a lot of money. And then everyone in the room is like, wait, what dude was there to kill Bran? Like, no, I don't believe you. And then Catelyn Catelyn is like, oh yeah, he kept muttering about how I wasn't supposed to be there. He definitely came for Bran. He set the library fire thinking that I would run out and take the guards with me. If I wasn't so nutballs, I probably would have. And then Rob asks, like, why would anyone want to kill Bran? Like, that doesn't make sense. And then Catelyn tells him, look, if you're going to rule Winterfell, you need to think things through and you have to answer your own question there. Like, answer your own question. Why? And then Rob says well, someone is afraid that Bran's going to wake up and they're afraid of something he knows. And Catelyn is like, yes, exactly. Ding, 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 ding. Yep. So we have to keep Bran safe. And then this was kind of cute because Malin says, well, how many guards do you want? And he asks Catelyn. And then she defers to Rob and says, well, Rob is in charge when his dad is gone. And then Rob kind of gets all proud. (laughs) He's like, yeah. And then they decide to put, like, a whole bunch of guards on Bran. They decide to let his direwolf stay in there with him. It makes Catelyn feel better. And so then Malin leaves to go do all of that. And Sir Roderick asks if Catelyn saw the dagger that the man had. And Catelyn was like, I mean, not really. I was too busy. And she kind of makes a joke, like, I mean, I was too busy busy not to get killed. And then Roderick says, well, I took a long look at it. It's way too fancy for a dude like that. Somebody had to have given it to him. And Catelyn asks Rob, She's like, all right, shut the door. And they're all like, what's going on? Why? And then she makes them all like swear an oath. So it's Rob Theon, Maester Lewin, and Sir Roderick that's in the room with her. And she's like, you have to swear your an oath to secrecy. You cannot tell anyone about this. It will put my daughters in danger, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, okay. And she tells them. But before, like, what I thought was interesting about that whole scene. Yeah. Is that 
Theon Greywolf, Meister Lewin. Greyjoy. Keep going. That Greywolf kid. Yes. Greyjoy. He will, for all. He'll always be Greywolf. He's going to be Greywolf to me. That's fine. Anyway, him, Meister Lewin, and Roderick, mm-hmm. Sir Roderick, immediately pledge their oath and say yes. And then she's got to ask Rob, like, yeah. Rob, what about you? Because he doesn't answer immediately. He doesn't. And so then, she, and I'm like, what is he hesitating about? You know, like, why is he hesitating his oath, you know, his pledge to his own mom, yeah. to his own mom? Like he's, uh, you know, and for his little brother's sake and his sister's sake, you know, I don't know. And I just thought that was interesting that he sort of hesitated. And it yeah, that's weird. Take pause to say, like, why is he hesitating? But then he does. And so she tells them that her sister Lysa thinks that the Lannisters murdered John Aaron and that it has come to her attention that Jamie Lannister didn't join the hunt the day that Bran fell. And she thinks that Bran was thrown from the tower. She does not think that Bran fell. And they're all shocked. And then Maester Lewin is like, you know, that's a good point. He's always been sure-footed. He knows every rock in Winterfell. He's always climbed and he's never fallen. And then all of a sudden he falls. Like, mm, that's a really good point. And then Roderick says... I mean, but even the Kingslayer would flinch at child murder, right? And then they're all like, no. (laughs) And then Maester Lewin says, okay, well, we have to have proof if we're going to make this kind of an accusation. And Roderick says, the proof is in the dagger. And Catelyn realizes at that point that someone has to go to King's Landing. And she starts kind of looking around the room. Rob wants to go and she's like, no, your place is here. There always has to be a Stark in Winterfell. And she looks around the room and all these other kind of motley crew of people. There's like Grey Wolf Kid. And there's... Who ain't too smart, by the way. Who's not the best. And then Maester Lewin, who is like this old man. And so Roderick, and then she's like, oh shit, I have to go. Like, they're not going to believe any of these people, so I have to go. And Maester Lewin doesn't like the idea. He thinks it's going to make the Lannisters suspicious if she shows up. And Rob is like, do you really mean to leave Bran, uh, you know, after yeah. all this? And, and she's like, I've done everything. Yourself, right? Like, right. Well, she's like, I've done everything I can for Bran. I have to think of my other children now. You've even said that. Like, it's time for me to think about my other kids. Yeah. And then Theon is like, you need an escort. You can't go by yourself. And... Rob wants to send like a whole bunch of guardsmen with her and she's like no this has to be on the down low like I don't want all this attention attracted I don't want the Lannisters to know that we're coming and so then Sir Roderick says let me go with you let me accompany you and she kind of thinks about that for a second and then she's like okay two of us can ride pretty quickly and it won't attract that much attention and she tells him and he's like you know oh you can't a woman can't go on the king's road like by herself and she's like well we're not taking the king's road we're gonna ride to white harbor and hire a ship and that'll put us in king's landing ahead of ned and all the lannisters so we're gonna try and get there before them well and the other thing is she's injured right her hands all cut up from her trying to stop him from yep so she's injured on top of all of that. And, and that it's is like, oh, the end. And you're like, yeah. oh, shit. And her last thing says, like, you know, she's like, okay, so we're going to go. And then I think the very last thing is her thinking, and we'll see what we see. And you're like, ooh, what are they going to see? What are they going to see, right? We don't know. No one died in this chapter either. Uh, so, you know, it's coming because it's all getting built up, coming to a head. We will see. So let's move to the first Sansa chapter. This whole chapter annoyed the crap out of me. I will say this up front because Sansa is 11, so I get it, but she is like so over the top in this chapter. So she's super excited because 
She gets to ride in the royal wheelhouse with the queen and Princess Marcella. She's worried about Arya, though, because she's like, Arya's gonna ruin everything. She's unpredictable. She always ruins everything. She just hopes Arya won't be too embarrassing. And she goes to find Arya. And this is hilarious to me. Arya is trying to brush out Nymeria because Nymeria's all dirty. <laughs> and Nymeria is just not having it. And she's giving her all kinds of trouble. And that just cracked me up. Because Nymeria is just like Arya. And it just, like, made yes, me laugh. It's so funny. And Arya is wearing the same clothes she's been wearing for days and, <laughs> and she's Sansa, and she smells bad <laughs> exactly you know? and Sansa tells her you better put on something pretty because we're traveling in the queen's wheelhouse today and you can't be traveling in the queen's wheelhouse like that and Arya is like oh no I'm not riding with the queen me and my friend Micah we're gonna ride upstream and look for Prince Rhaegar's rubies and Sansa is like no you have to ride with us like the queen invited both of us you can't like not she's take an invitation no. from the queen and Arya just really does not give a fuck and she is like I don't care about any of that and then Sansa it's just really interesting because you very much get in this chapter how different, different. they are polar, opposite. polar opposites Arya is all bruised up and she's been exploring everything she gets rashes from poisonous flowers that she goes <laughs> and picks and Sansa just doesn't like any of it and she's like you have to come you can't refuse the queen why would you want to like ride when you can just relax on feather pillows and eat cakes with the queen and Arya is like, I don't like the queen. And Sansa's like, oh, she's like, I can see her. She's just like, <laughs> like feeling all the clem. I'm exactly. <laughs> and then she's like, whatever. I'll just go by myself. Me and Lady will eat all the lemon cakes and we're going to have all the fun and we're going to have an awesome time without you. And Arya is like, they're not going to let you take Lady. So good luck with that and whatever. And she like runs off. So after that whole thing, we just kind of see the whole first couple pages of this chapter, how polar opposite they are and how Sansa just doesn't like her sister. And she is walking back and she's thinking about all of this and how she just wants everything to be nice and pretty and why can't Arya just be like kind and sweet like Princess Marcella I really wish I had a sister more like that and she doesn't understand how they can be just a couple years apart and born to the same parents but so different and she's thinking about all this and then when she gets back she sees the queen coming out of the wheelhouse and there are some new people they're new strangers this, and the squire tells her oh they've sent some riders from King's Landing to escort the party the rest of the way two of them are knights. One is older, one is younger, and this one is real bound hey, chicka bow wow. Well, you're not the handsomest you. man Sansa has ever Never seen. seen. Yep. And then she sees this third dude standing off to the side and she is like really scared of him. Right. He is super like, intense. Who is this dude? Yeah. And I thought it was really gross how they described him because they're like he's got a pockmarked face and he's beardless so there you go with your beard stuff like what happens if you're beardless mom like what does that mean I guess that you're dickless as well (laughs) and so he's like got no beard he's got a pockmarked face and he's pretty young like he's not old but he doesn't like he's mostly bald and he's just got like this like string of hair that like hangs from the bottom of it and it's like like he seems really gross and then there's like this super hot one yeah, I f- thought that he was maybe 10 years older than her. And, you know, so if she's yes, 11, I think they he's said he's like, like 20 or 21. You know, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And she's looking at him going, ooh, he's pretty hot. But then she's all back to Joffrey. Well, she like steps back and she runs into Sandra Clegane the Hound. And then he kind of starts giving her a hard time. Mm-hmm. And then they start talking about the new people notice the dire wolf. And then she like cowers and starts to cry and everything. Yeah, and I'm like, like freaks out I mean, I get that she's 11, but I was so annoyed. And then Cersei says, oh, Joffrey, go to her. And then Joffrey is like, leave my betrayal. 
betrothed alone. And this was the part that I just couldn't stop laughing at because Sansa's all up in love with Joffrey at this point. She just thinks he's the greatest thing. So when he comes over, it's like when you first see like a Disney prince, right? He's like, exactly. And like, he like, you can rise up on like slow motion and like the birds sing and this beautiful face comes into the frame and like his hair is shining in the sun, his beautiful golden hair. And then he like puts out his hand to her and he's like, leave her alone. And she's like, he has rescued me from that. And it's like, rescued you from what? Like there's nothing happening. But that's how it's written. That from her point of view, this is really how she views him. And of course, knowing Joffrey is a little shit head you're like oh my god this is really makes me want to puke barf i wrote barf in my nose (laughs) this is so like i don't care and so joffrey is like oh hound go away you're scaring my betrothed and sansa is like well it's not him that's scaring me it's that dude over there and then we find out that dude is Sir Illyn Payne, who is the king's justice, which means that he is the one who performs the executions. Oh, so man. he cuts people's heads off. That's mm-hmm. like what he does. So he's super intense. He's very terrifying. And that's when Barristan is like, oh, I get that too. He he scares me too sometimes. <laughs> and then they kind of start joking. And that's when we find out who they are. And Renly is just this like charming, handsome. He's like a bit of a joker. Mm-hmm. He's really funny. And like you really just love him you, you just really think do. he is so adorable yeah and like for him i guess i just thought oh, i just want to put him in my pocket let me just <laughs> take him home with me and put yeah. him in my pocket take him home and yeah it just seems like he's he's cute he's funny he's all of that and at first i thought well i wonder if sansa is gonna want to take up with him instead of joffrey because he's Sean he Bruce. is way older he's, yeah. he's way older and everything but he's so much better oh, right yeah. than joffrey and they don't really do describe him as as this i don't think but in my head he's like a little roly-poly little you know, oh yeah like, he is not you he, know? he looks like I, a ken doll oh. he's like a barbie doll blonde hair you know i mean he's oh, like 13 he's or like, whatever um, he looks like, like the guy mom the idiot in shrek yes yes <laughs> yes exactly like the prince of whatever yep. he was in shrek yep that's know? exactly right yes. he looks like his mom because oh. cersei you know was this yeah. like beautiful barbie and jamie's yeah. this beautiful you know yeah. like all the lannisters are all, like all beautiful and he looks like the lannisters but his personality to me is like this little frumpy <laughs> But he's arrogant as he's well. He's very arrogant. You know, yeah. so I just, I've I just always like viewed him, him as like a frat boy. I mean, okay. maybe that's wrong like for frat him. boys. Yeah, that's stereotypical. But like, he's like a bro dude, you know? Yeah. Like, that's always how I viewed yeah. him. And he, because he's always trying to like assert his manliness and it just annoys me. He's toxic. Anyway, then Cersei tells them, oh, we have to postpone our ride. And so Joffrey's going to entertain you for the day. And Sansa gets so excited. She's like, a whole day with Joffrey. Oh my goodness. What am I going to do? He's like, let's leave our dogs behind. And Sansa at first is a little hesitant. She she doesn't like going places without Lady. And she's like, I mean, I guess I can tie her up. And then mm-hmm. she's like, but you don't have a dog. Like, what do you mean? And then she realized he's talking about the hound. Um, and he's like, oh, I can take care of myself. It's fine. I have this. And he pulls out the sword that they say is like smaller than regular swords. It was like made for a 12 year old kid. Right. And he calls it Lion's Tooth. And he's like, I'm going to bring this and we'll be fine. So then they go on this like grand, perfect, magical day of adventure. And he lets her drink as much water wine as she wants and they do a bunch of fun stuff and he sings for her and everything is like perfect and lovely and bleh. 
gross. Again, it's like Disney Prince. And then he's like, let's go see the battleground where my dad killed Rhaegar Targaryen. And they hear noise coming from the woods. And Sansa's like, let's go back. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, like, no, I want to go see what it is. And I'm like, oh my God, what are they going to find? They are in the woods. And I'm, yeah, they are in the woods. But then I was also wondering, oh, are the twins at it again? You know, like, (laughs) that's going on, you know, are they going to find that? And then I was like, oh no, because Arya said her and her little body were going to go try to find treasure in the uh, on the battlefield. The battlefield. Yep. So I'm like, that's what they're going to find. They're going to find the two of them. And sure enough, that is what they find. They yep. find them sword fighting, basically practicing sword fighting. And of course, Sansa is like, oh, mortified. Oh, oh my God. Like, this cannot be my sister. Like, I cannot believe she's doing this. She's, she's going to ruin everything. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh no, you know, and they're practicing sword fighting and now you understand why Arya has all these bruises all over her because they're practicing with like wooden swords right you know, yeah like broomsticks yeah, yeah you know and Mike is way bigger than her and yeah but she, and... te- she keeps telling him hit her harder right? right like she's like I don't care like beat me up basically yeah I, I need, need to, to practice get, yeah I need to practice and I need to get tough right so he does and then Joffrey with his stupid self is like <laughs> what's going on what are y'all doing you know y'all need to stop all of this and you're you know, not gonna hurt my like, lady's sister. sister and all this and Arya basically flips him off says go back to wherever you came from yeah go away we're here because we want to be here we're practicing sword fighting be gone before i drop a house on you too right (laughs) you know it's like leave us alone we're doing our thing and he's like oh no and he's trying to be big man on campus again prove his manliness let's see how good you are you know fight me and then he takes off his real sword yeah and then poor loaria gets upset when it's like no don't do that and i think because he goes after micah and he's like let's see how good you are you should fight me instead of fighting little girls yeah. and micah is like Arya asked me to fight with her and joffrey just won't listen and he's like aren't you gonna pick up your sword and he's like i mean that's a stick it's not yeah. a real sword and then joffrey is like oh you're playing knight but you're just a butcher boy you're never gonna be a knight and joffrey puts his sword like up to micah's face and cuts it and then he's like that's my lady sister you're hitting or whatever yeah. and he's trying to her name and Arya is like stop what the f are you doing and Joffrey says, I'm not going to hurt him yeah. much. Much. Yeah. Oh. oh, I wanted to slap him. I was like, oh, you little sucker. You know, I wanted to just kill him right there. I was so upset because he brings this whole thing upon himself. Right? Yep. He brings all of this upon himself. So as he's doing that and Arya's getting more and more upset. Well, what happens? Nymeria jumps Well, no, Arya goes after him first. Well, Arya goes after him, but then Nymeria jumps in too. And the two of them collectively beat his ass. Yeah. Which... Well, at first, Arya smacks him in the back of the head with her stick first, before Nymeria <laughs> comes from anywhere. Arya is like, stop, and she takes her stick and just whacks him in the back <laughs> of the head, and then Micah runs away at that point, and Arya swings her stick again, and then he catches it with his sword, and he sends the stick flying, and the back of his head's all bloody and everything yeah. at this point, and Sansa's just yelling, yeah, like, no, no, like stop. Screaming. And Arya then picks up a rock and throws it at Joffrey's head and instead hits the horse and the horse goes oh, running yeah, 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 and then yeah. Joffrey <laughs> like slashes his sword at Arya and he's 
like screaming all these obscenities and everything because this is all from Sansa's point of view so she's watching right. it and she's like he is just screaming the ugliest stuff at her sister and then he backs Arya up against the tree and when he backs her up against the tree that's when Nymeria comes, comes and knocks and him over. knocks him over and, and bites <laughs> the crap out of his arm and then Arya takes the sword and pitches it into the river which is freaking hilarious and then he's like no that's my lion's whatever the heck it be called lion's it. tooth yeah. yeah and he can't believe it and then and he's laying on the ground and his arm is all mangled and everything right he's bleeding and Arya had tells head. the wolf not to hurt him any further right, right. she calls she calls my off and then but the bottom line is he brought it all upon himself if he would have just walked left away him alone. you know yeah. if they would have just left him alone and said okay do what you gotta do have fun practicing we're gonna go somewhere else but no he's gotta be he has no beard either I'm sure <laughs> anyway he's 12 mom he's 12 <laughs> I don't care uh, when he gets older he will have no beard either anyway well I my just favorite like- we didn't talk about my favorite part of this whole thing which is he's laying on the ground his arms all mangled and Arya picks up his sword and stands over him and tells him well Namiria didn't hurt you much. much and I was like yes <laughs> And then that's when she's like standing over him with the sword and he's like, don't hurt me. I'm going to tell my mother on you. And Sansa is just like screaming, Arya, leave him alone. And Arya is just like, fuck you. And that's when she throws a sword into the river, then rides off on her horse and Nymeria goes after them. But that was my favorite when she's like standing over him with the sword and the fucking dire wolf. And he's just standing there and he's like, "Uh," and she's like, she didn't hurt you much. And I was like, yes, yes, that. And then Sansa, of course, this whole chapter, she's like, all in love with Joffrey. Of course, everything's been ruined now at this point. She's kneeling next to Joffrey and she's like, oh my God, look what they did to you. I'm going to go and get help. It's going to be okay. And he just looks at her with like the vilest contempt and loathing and says, then go and don't touch me. Right. And you're like, oh Oh, man, like, you know, I mean, I don't like Sansa, but like, oh man. And now I'm a little bit concerned because Sansa doesn't like Arya anyway, right? Right. So I don't know if Sansa's going to get hurt too because of what happened with Arya. You know, she's going to get hurt by, she's already been hurt by Joffrey, let's be honest. Yeah. But then I just worry about, because you know, Arya's going to have to be brought to have consequences, I'm sure. You know, there's going to be Joffrey. Yeah, oh, yeah. Joffrey yeah. Because he's going to go on home to his mama. We yep. all know how she is, right? Yeah. So I'm sure there's going to be consequences to pay for this. And I worry about what Sansa's going to say because she doesn't like Arya. She doesn't like Arya. She loves Joffrey. But yet Joffrey just really hurt her feelings. So what side is she going to take in this whole thing? And that's what I'm left with. At the end of that Sansa chapter. Well, because of every, the whole chapter, you kind of think, yeah, she hates Arya. So like, of course, she's going to take Joffrey's side because she's all in love with Joffrey. She hates Arya. But then it's like, Joffrey really treats her like crap and she's upset about it. Right. So yeah, like, what is she going to do? You know, when he really hurts her feelings like that, she's really hurt by what he tells her. And so now I'm kind of left with, well, maybe, maybe she will side with Arya against Joffrey. Because he's an asshole and she just realizes how much of an asshole he is. Yeah. So I don't know. And that's what I was left with at the end of that chapter. I was just kind of like, uh oh. Like, what's she going to do? What is she going to do? So it'll be interesting to see that. We shall see. And yeah. there's been no deaths this entire time again. So I think we are like going on a good streak. So there's yeah. got to be something happening soon, something. like you're saying. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
So, to help a mother out, real quick, who have we met thus far? So, in here, we only meet a few new people. Yorin, who is the member of the Night's Watch that joins up with Benjen's party on the road to the wall. Hallis Mollen, who is the Bounchick of Bow Wow, new captain of the guard at Winterfell. We have Sir Barristan Selmy, a.k.a. Barristan the Bold, who is the Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. Renly Baratheon, who is Robert's youngest brother. Sir Ilan Payne, who is the King's Justice slash Executioner. And Micah, the Butcher's Boy and Arya's friend. And the only people that are, like, mentioned information given in this section but we don't meet are just like a bunch of ancestors and then at the end of this segment people are are spread out way more so robert cersei and jamie lannister joffrey marcella and tommen baratheon sander clegane aka the hound ned sansa Arya, micah sir barrison selmy renly baratheon and sir ellen payne are all on the road to king's landing and then benjen john Tyrion, yorin and morik are on the road to the wall bran rob rickon hallis mollin bounty cabal the Grey Wolf Kid and Maester Lewin are at Winterfell, and Catelyn and Sir Roderick are leaving Winterfell to go to King's Landing. So that's where everyone is, and then we didn't have any Daenerys stuff in this uh, segment, so they're all still over in Pentos. So that's where everyone is at the end of the segment, and the death toll is zero. It has now been 125 pages oh, wow. since the last death. That is our show. Listen next time as we discuss Ned 3, Brand 3, and Catlin 4. You can catch us every Friday on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TubbyandCoos.com. Also, Google Podcasts, which is new. If you like our show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. It really helps us to spread the word. Or rate it or subscribe. Like, anything on iTunes really helps. And when you're sitting around discussing Game of Thrones with your friends, mention that there's this great new podcast they should listen to. You can find a recap of this week's podcast at www tubbyandcoos.com slash podcast. You can also follow the bookstore on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at tubbyandcoos, spelled out, to keep up with all of our work. Hit us up and let us know what you think as you read or listen along. We'd love to hear from you, but no spoilers. Mom has no idea what's coming, and we really want to keep it that way. All she knows that's coming is winter. I'm Candace Huber. And I'm the mom. And now Mom's Watch has ended.